Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. For the past 27 years, Rebecca Cherian has had the distinction of being the highest-paid, highest-ranked female trombonist in the United States. That's because there are no other women trombonists playing in a major top 10 orchestra. She also has the distinction of being my guest today. Rebecca was selected co-principal of the Pittsburgh Symphony by Lauren Mazel in 1989. She has been a trombone instructor at Carnegie Mellon University since 1993, and a year later became a founding member of the International Women's Brass Conference. Born and raised in California, Rebecca was just 16 when she joined the San Jose Symphony. At 17, she was a featured soloist with the San Francisco Symphony after winning first prize and its Young Musicians Award. She earned a Bachelor of Music degree from the California Institute of the Arts and a Master's from the Yale School of Music. Rebecca's also played principal trombone with Massachusetts Springfield Symphony and the Rhode Island Philharmonic. As a freelance artist, she toured with the Israel Philharmonic under the direction of Leonard Bernstein, performed with the Boston Opera, New York City Ballet, Connecticut's Hartford and New Haven Symphonies, and Goodspeed Opera House. In September 1993, Rebecca was part of a 15-woman ensemble of brass and percussionists invited to play at the White House at the opening reception of the annual International Women's Forum. Her first CD, Water Awakening, was released in 2011 and was followed in 2015 by L'Invitation au Voyage. Rebecca, welcome, and thanks for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Sandy. So let's go straight for the obvious. Trombone! Although I must (laughs) confess that I took up the trumpet in elementary school, but my musical ability was basically non-existent, and family and friends begged me not to practice. Go ahead, tell me, why the trombone? That seems to be the most common question no I've kidding. ever asked. No kidding. I'm going right for the obvious. But um, it's, it is a good question, especially in the 1960s. To play the trombone uh, for a girl was, to say the least, very rare. But actually, I came to the choice of the trombone pretty much by accident. My first choice was French horn, of course, which was a, a much more girly instrument. But my older sister played French horn, and she said, no way. So You mean she didn't want the competition? Exactly. She didn't want me playing the same instrument. Okay. So I knew that I liked the sound of the brass instruments the best. So I went down the list. From there, I thought, okay, trumpet. I'll try the trumpet. And I went into school, and I told the band director, trumpet. And he promptly told me my lips were too fat, which is absurd, of course. And um, But I'm sure he just had too many trumpets already in the band, and he wanted me to play trombone. So he said, why don't you try trombone? How old are you? I was 10. You were 10. And let me just ask first, are you from a musical family? Yes. I mean, neither of my parents were professional musicians, but they were both very musical and uh, great connoisseurs of classical music and all the arts, actually. And we had music playing in our house all the time. Um, and my father was just passionate about classical music. So he was always pointing out the brass when they would play and when they had solos. And that was one of his favorite families of of instruments. And so, of course, it was mine, too. I adored my father. Mm -hmm. And he also loved vocalists. And my parents were very unusual in that they they schlepped all of us kids to the, the symphony and the opera since the time I, I can remember before I was even 10. 
So I was already very familiar with uh, the instruments and with classical music and opera. I think that's so critical. I feel so cheated by that, that I don't have an appreciation for classical music. And just like going to see a Shakespearean play is torture for me because I was never exposed to it. Yes, but you know, the funny thing is my parents also brought us to plays and um, you know, the opera, ballet, the museums. And as a kid, I hated it all, you know, because I didn't get it. I didn't understand any of it. But I think it was that exposure that really paid off in the long run. Mm-hmm, that staying um, power. Yeah. And and later, you know, eventually I ended up getting it. But I certainly didn't as a kid, and I didn't enjoy it at all. So now the band instructor, is that who you said told you your lips were no good for the the trumpet? And he was the (laughs) one who said, okay, we need a trombone player. And so you have to give him some interesting credit because he didn't say, you can't play the trombone, you're a female. Yeah, and that's an interesting point because he obviously wanted me to play the, the trombone, and he started me on it, and he himself was a trumpet player. So he would teach all of the talented brass players at that time in private lessons. He would give them private lessons, but he would never teach me. And it wasn't something I realized until actually much later, looking back on it and thinking, oh, yeah, he never, you know, he didn't really take me seriously. Even though I was always second chair, of course, he would never allow me to be first chair either. He wouldn't teach me. He only taught the boys. So so you don't um, think this had anything to do with the fact that he was worried about being alone with you in teaching or it was just it was just much more of a sexist approach? Yeah, I think he just didn't take me seriously. You know, I wasn't going to be. So I studied with another teacher who would have me. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, um, um, and again, I was I was very fortunate that, you know, my parents had no problem with it. They never said anything to me about it. And they were willing to find me a teacher. And they found me very good teachers throughout uh, junior high school and high school. And so in high school, I was studying with the principal trombonist of the San Francisco Symphony, and he was fantastic. And he didn't have a problem with me either, being a woman. And in fact, I think he was pretty liberal in, on the, the feminist movement. And he asked me if I knew Gloria Steinem or I must be reading <laughs> Gloria Steinem or something. And I looked at him like he was from Mars. I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, And it really wasn't until college that I read, you know, any of the feminist literature, but he was on top of it. So I think that was helpful for me because he didn't seem prejudiced in any way. He just really pushed me as a player and was a great teacher. So what was it like for you, though, to be the only female trombone player as you started out? Or did that not even register with you? No, it totally registered because as soon as I picked the instrument and I went to school the next day and I told my friends, my girlfriends, that I was playing the trombone. They all looked at me like I had swallowed an elephant. Mm. And they said, you can't play that instrument. And I said, why not? They said, that's a boy's instrument. And I said, so? And Mm. they were utterly appalled. So from the moment I started it, I had all kinds of trouble. And at school and in the band, all the boys in the section would tease me and make fun of me. But I just ignored them. But it was always an issue, and I always had trouble everywhere I went with it. And so what happened? You just developed a thick skin? Well, that was partly it. And I think part of me was a rebel, and I enjoyed stirring people up and and challenging them. It's like, well, why shouldn't a girl play a trombone? I don't see anything wrong with it. 
I don't see why it's been classified as a boy's instrument. I, I never could understand that personally. And so I sort of like challenging people and stirring up their, you know, expectations and making them question. So at some point, you knew you were good at this, and certainly at 17, being a featured soloist with the San Francisco Symphony, and then it just became a no-brainer that you were going to go to school for music? No, actually, it didn't happen like that. I went to school uh, to UCLA at first, and in L.A., there was a youth orchestra called the Debut Orchestra, and I went and I auditioned for that. But I had a poor audition, and the the person auditioning me told me that I had a few problems, and he pointed them out to me, and I didn't get into the orchestra. And I was devastated. This was my first big failure, and I didn't know how it worked. You know, I didn't know you were supposed to fail along the way. Hmm. I had been very successful in high school. And so I decided I couldn't be a musician, and I changed my major immediately to French. <laughs> I enjoyed French. And I tried French for a while. I just said, I just didn't like that enough. And I, I must have changed majors three or four times. There was actually an incident at, at UCLA in the orchestra that was kind of the turning point for me. I was still playing in the orchestra, even though I was, had changed my major. And one day, the conductor stopped the orchestra and absolutely berated me for playing the trombone that saying, women, girls cannot play the trombone. They cannot play the trumpet. They maybe can play the French horn, but never. He was this nervous wreck. He said, never, never, never the trumpeter or or trombone. He did this publicly? Public, in front of the entire orchestra. He stopped in the middle of rehearsing a piece to... And what do you think prompted him to do that? I mean, why that there and then? What? What happened? We had just played a big tutti section for trombone, and I was the only trombone in orchestra that day. So... I guess it wasn't as loud as he wanted it because it should have been played by three trombones simultaneously, but I was the only one there. And so it wasn't loud enough. So this was his assessment that girls just couldn't play loud enough. And you're how old when this happened? I was 19, okay. 20. Uh-huh. And I was just I was stupefied. I, I, I had never experienced anything like that. I'm before. surprised I, you didn't hit him with your trombone. I know I should have. I was too shocked, you know, to do anything. And I just, the, the trumpet player sitting next to me was a really nice guy. And he turned to me and he shook his head and he said, I, I just can't believe this guy. And he, he was on my side. And so he, he and I became friends and he told me that I should really go to a different school, mm-hmm. <laughs> that I should really go to Cal Arts because it was a great school and had a great music program. And I should really study music and forget about these other things that I was, you know, trying to do. And I'm I'm so grateful for his advice, and that is what I did. I just withdrew from UCLA, and I, I enrolled you in— You took your trombone and uh, went elsewhere. Yeah, I moved on. <laughs> if you're just joining us, my guest today is Rebecca Cherian, who is the co-principal trombone player of the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. So you leave this jerk in the dust, and you go <laughs> to CalArts— and you pursue a music degree. It's so funny because with something as shocking as that and and so, you know, seismic, you would just sort of say, screw this. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm putting my trombone in the case and I'm never taking it out again. No, I was very determined. Uh, but I also felt like trombone was the only thing I was really good at. And so in some ways, I just felt like I had to do it. 
And, but surprisingly, that was certainly not the end of the public humiliation really? and all of the, really? the, kick, the kickback that I got from it. I got it on a pretty regular basis, yeah, from um, many other conductors, as a matter of fact. And uh, even when I, I didn't have much trouble at CalArts, it was a very, you know, liberal school. But when I went to Yale, the conductor of the orchestra there also told me in no uncertain terms that women could not play brass instruments. And he would never allow me to play principal in the orchestra there. Does that either. mean first trombone principal? Yes. Okay. Uh-huh. Yes. And it's more of a leadership position than second. But the way the Yale School of Music works is they only take as many instrumentalists to fill the orchestra. So you always have the opportunity to play an orchestra. So there were only two of us tenor trombone players, but he would not allow me ever to have the opportunity to play principal. So, I mean, that was yet another instance Mm. of, but I had others too, even before that, when I was playing at a music festival, um, a very well-known conductor whom I won't name, again, stopped the orchestra. He had something to say to me. And he said, what is is that back there? A a boy or a girl? Mm. It was completely humiliating and um, (laughs) horrifying. But since I'd already had a taste of that, I, I wasn't as shocked. You know, and with with each um, incident, it became less shocking. But um, it still happened regularly. Well, explain this to me. Who selects orchestra members? Is it not the conductor who makes the choice? It depends what you're talking about. For a music festival, for this particular festival, the students would send in tapes or audition live, usually for the teacher. The, so in other words, the trombone teacher picked his studio, his group of students. But in professional orchestras, when I auditioned for the Pittsburgh Symphony, it was Lauren Mazel who picked me. And at that time, he had complete power. It is different now. Um, He, the conductor of our orchestra and most others do not have complete control. They have a vote and they obviously have influence, but they don't have complete control to pick whoever they want. Is it fair to say that Lauren Mazel solidified your professional career? Yes and no. I do give him a lot of credit. He did. He did hire me. That was remarkable at that time. And I think it's also worth noting that he's an American. So, you know, many of the major conductors in big orchestras are not American and they come from a long tradition, a long, very old tradition, you know, of male players and orchestras. And in fact, I mean, you know, even the Vienna and Berlin Philharmonic until very recently did not allow women Period. at all on any instrument. Good yeah, that's God. only a very recent occurrence. So it's, you know, one of the last strongholds of male chauvinism. Mm-hmm. Um, but Lauren Mazel was was open-minded enough to hire me. Because you were talented. Yes. But then it was very hard for him to hang on to the fact that I could play. The first year, usually you are on probation until you get tenure. And I went to him uh, after almost every concert that I had something prominent to play to make sure that he was good with my playing, to make sure he was okay. And every time he would act shocked that I played so well. And and he he would say, yes, I'm very pleased and blah, blah, blah. 
And, and you felt came, the need to go and ask him where your male counterpart probably did not. Yeah, probably a, a, a man wouldn't have had to do that. But I knew I had to make sure I kept on top of this. And so I did. And then when it came time for me to receive my tenure, he did not grant it to me. Is that three years? No, it was actually, it's actually about a year and a half. And it was he, after about a year and he year did and a half. not grant you tenure because? He gave me a bunch of lame reasons, but um, it came to pass that I heard that, you know, some people in the orchestra um, had put a bug in his ear and that had completely unnerved him. You mean saying who needs her or why is she here or? Yeah, or didn't like my playing. Didn't like your playing. Okay. Either didn't like my playing. You weren't up to par? Yeah, or didn't want me there. Uh You know, it's hard to say. It's Mm -hmm. very difficult to to say. But um, so anyway, that made him doubt his decision. decision. Yeah. And so we had to play this little game, and it was very um, touchy, and I was really fortunate that I got tenure. In spite um, of his, yes, his lack tenure, of support. Ten, yeah, his tentativeness, yeah. He extended my period of probation for another year, and I had to prove that that I could play loud enough and I could play uh, whatever, the same as everyone else. I mean, one of, one of the comments was that he didn't think I played loud enough, but I think that's a common uh, misconception about women it's because it is oh you don't have the same lung power the same lung capacity we're not not strong Mm, as strong as mm, a man mm -hmm, therefore mm -hmm. couldn't produce as much sound so you every damn performance i mean obviously every musician wants to give his or her all but every performance you've got to prove yourself more than the others yeah it was it was very stressful to say the least but um gosh but my anger worked to my benefit. I wasn't going to let you know this be taken away from me. I'd worked so hard to get there. So my anger served as a great catalyst for, for playing well and playing loud. <laughs> what kind of support did you get from your musician colleagues? I hate to say at the time I didn't get a lot of support. What a there surprise. Were... Come on, Rebecca. Yeah. I'm not surprised you <laughs> said that. Um, I mean, there were a few very nice supporters, but unfortunately, not enough. <laughs> um, and so it was it was a really difficult time. And um, yeah, that's about all well, I, I just can't say. imagine what it must be like. I mean, there's the stress of performance, and then you have this added bonus of having to push another rock up the mountain. You're starting in the minus column just by virtue of gender. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, but, you know, I was already well aware of that. And even going into the audition, I knew that my chances were virtually next to nothing to get a position like this. And I knew that I had to play not just as well as someone else, but way better in order to get a job like this. So I was not naive going into it. I knew exactly what I was getting into. And I mean, not to say that I wasn't thoroughly upset about it, but it was not a surprise to me at all. But based on what I read about you and your introduction, it seems to me that you basically have never not worked. That's not really true. Um, I mean, yes, or I was you worked doing... a lot. The Israeli Philharmonic, you know, the Boston Opera, the New York City Ballet, the Springfield Symphony, the Rhode Island Philharmonic. You have a track record, woman. 
Well, that sounds good, but um, <laughs> but the Springfield Symphony was my main job, and that was a regional orchestra. In other words, a very small orchestra, although it was a very qual- it was a quality and still is a quality orchestra. But you know, those other jobs like the Israel Philharmonic, that was a five week stint. Mm-hmm. You know, those were short things. I was freelancing for ten years from the time I got out of school, uh, when I got out of Yale, to the time I got this job. So I had 10 years that I was freelancing and I was just barely putting together a living. I was just going to ask, were you able to earn a living? Just barely. And at one point, uh, it was kind of funny. I was um, living in Hartford and I was playing in the Springfield Symphony. I was teaching at uh, the Hart School of Music and the University of Connecticut in stores. I I was doing teaching, but it wasn't quite enough, you know, to, to make a living. And so I ended up taking a job at the local uh, CD store, mm-hmm. working behind the cash register. And it was really funny when one of my students came in to the store and saw me working behind the register. Yeah. It was, what the hell are you doing here? Yeah, why are you working here? Right, was, sure. Yeah, a little embarrassing. But so it, it wasn't a great living. I was just scraping by until I got this job. If you're just joining us, my guest today is Rebecca Cherian, who is the co-principal trombone player of the Pittsburgh Symphony Orchestra. And so now it's fair to say that employment is really not an issue for you, finally. Right. Once I got tenure, um, the whole employment thing was Fell by the wayside. What does it mean to have a full-time job with a symphony? We have concerts every week. So it's generally a different concert every week, and we give two or three performances, sometimes more. And we have various other activities that we do, giving concerts, uh, you know, children's concerts, concerts in the communities. We travel. We do uh, European and uh, international travel almost every year. Those are generally three-week tours. We tour to other places domestically as well. We go to the Mann Center in Philadelphia. You know, uh, we've gone to, you know, play in Carnegie Hall and mm-hmm. I've done West Coast tours. And so we do a lot of touring. That's been a big part of the job. Um, and so, yes, it's a, it's full-time employment. Our season, our uh, subscription season is generally from September through June. And in the summer, we play lighter concerts, more pops concerts, or we have our tours during the summer and the bulk of our vacation time. Well, there's my own naivete about that. Yeah, I had no idea how Yeah, time-consuming it can be. Are you still teaching? Yes. So let me ask you this question. How many female Mm -hmm. trombone students do you have? It's, uh, I haven't had that many. No kidding. For some reason, I'm not surprised. (laughs) I would imagine you're not either. Um, No, but you know, Sandy, there really are quite a few female and very excellent female trombone players in college. And I would say that the percentage that go on to professional jobs is very small. So, you know, there are women out there playing the trombone and playing it well, but there is still a ceiling on on women getting jobs. Do you think that there is more of an attraction, for example, in the field of jazz than in classical music? Would a woman trombone player be more accepted in a jazz milieu? I think it is a little more accepted, um, and there are many really wonderful jazz women trombonists out there today. Um, and I, because I think just the, the whole atmosphere is more accepting yeah. and liberal, you know, and orchestras are very traditional organizations and they still are to this day. 
And even in this day and age, after all these years and after all your street cred, you still find yourself either being not so much shunned, but not still maybe not taken seriously and that you're always having to, I don't want to say defend yourself, but I'll say defend yourself. I don't have to do as much explaining, but it, it still is. I can't sit in the orchestra and be a trombonist. I am the woman trombone, you know, mm-hmm. and that is not fun. <laughs> and that's not what I wanted the position to be. I want to be a musician first. So there's this know. kind of invisibility that you would like. Exactly. And not that, okay, I'm a woman who can play well. How does it work with the other women members of an orchestra? It is different. It's also different being in a leadership position, a principal position, even if it is co-principal, I'm still not as, uh, you know, the principal, there is a principal trombonist and that position is still more um, authoritative than mine. But does it, it means pay more? Have... Does it pay more than yours? Yes, it okay. does. But he and I alternate between playing the principal book. So in other words, um, I do play in the position of principal when I'm playing. And uh, so to play a, a leadership position is quite different than a section position. And the violinists, most most of them, unless they're concertmaster, are pretty much in a section position. So the same goes even for the woodwinds. It's more difficult to, to get the principal position. How many women play in the Pittsburgh Symphony, just out of curiosity? I'm not sure of the numbers now, but it's getting close to half, half of the orchestra. And what, the year that I got in, there were only t- 22 women in the orchestra. Out of how many less, people? Out of about 100, over 100. So it's less than a quarter were women, and now it's close to half. And, you know, it's interesting. I've always done a lot of work with children, and I have two kids. And so when they were, you know, in the earlier grades, I would go and demonstrate my instrument to their class. Mm-hmm. And the last time I did that with my son's class, when he was in, I think it was third or fourth grade, I told the kids, I said, Do you know, when I was little, when I was 10 and I started playing the trombone, everyone told me I couldn't do it because it was a boy's instrument. And they all looked at me like I was crazy. They said, really? Why? And so there's been this tremendous change. Oh, isn't that? Oh, God, that makes me, oh, that makes me feel great. I know. Isn't that amazing? I was really shocked. It was the first time that happened because I've told that story before to other classes and um, there was never that reaction before. Before we said goodbye, I wanted to talk to you about your CDs. What precipitated recording Water Awakening and L'Invitation au Voyage? Well, I guess um, a number of things came together. My children were getting older, so I had some time, finally, for myself. And I had always wanted to make some recordings. And also, it's a bit of the frustration of playing in an orchestra and not being heard that often, and also not being the principal and not getting to play all of the solos. I'm just not hurt very much. And I feel like I've worked so hard my life, you know, my whole life on this instrument, and I really want to be heard. So um, so I made this first recording, and I was very nervous and apprehensive about making it. But afterwards, I had such a fabulous experience. Well, we're going to listen to part of Water Awakening and hear you play. And I just can't thank you enough for sharing your life and talking to me about what it's like to be 
the highest paid, the highest ranked female trombonist in the United States. It was so my pleasure to get to know you, Rebecca, and I only wish you more continued success, happiness, and beautiful music in your life. Oh, thank you so much, Sandy. It's been a pleasure talking to you.